From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. One morning in the San Francisco Bay Area, a baby grand piano owned by musicians Gordon and Ruby Pappas was loaded out the front door of their old house and onto a moving truck. That truck was driven cross-country all the way to Wichita and the beautiful old piano carefully carried into the home of Gordon and Ruby's granddaughter, Emily Sternfeld Dunn. The passing of that beloved piano from one generation of musicians to another is a pretty good allegory, perhaps, for the kind of perspective that Emily Sternfeld Dunn brings to her musical adventures as a performer and teacher of some renown. It's certain that she's very much a modern artist, sharing the work of contemporary composers in concert halls all over the country, but there's a rich musical heritage to which Emily remains very firmly attached, no matter how far, literally or musically, she may travel. Emily Sternfeld Dunn joins us today on Highway 89 to share some old favorites, also performing some music from her album called She. The album features a lot of great stuff we'll talk about as we progress through the hour, but first, to the music, here's Too Few the Mornings Be, performed by Emily Sternfeld Dunn with Christine Kine at the piano on Highway 89. Too few the mornings be. Listeners may recognize the text in that piece as written by Emily Dickinson. In fact, works by Emily Dickinson set to music by composer Ricky Ian Gordon make up about half of our Emily, mm-hmm. our guest Emily's album, She. Welcome. Thank you for coming and oh, singing it's, that. I'm so excited to be here. You have a real focus on this album, some things that as an artist, as an educator, you wanted to say with the material. But I have to ask, because these words have had a life of their own. They have fans of their own, even before they were set to music. What is it that resonated with you that you wanted to say in this album? 
I think the poems that Ricky Ian Gordon picked have a real thread of hope through them. And I, I love how Emily Dickinson isn't shy about having doubts and questioning things about life and, and, you know, feeling all of the emotions that we all feel. But it's okay. And I, and I feel through all of that, she says there's hope in the questioning and in, in the uncertainty, there can be peace in that. You sing in a lot of different contexts, in halls, and because you're acquainted with a large repertoire, <laughs> how do you choose pieces for an album like this when it's not all Emily Dickinson pieces, it's also other pieces? Sure. Anything that I sing that I take on as a project has to be text-driven, so I have to feel some connection to the text. And so I certainly felt that way with Emily Dickinson and, and the narrative through the Eve song as well. I just find them so fascinating. And so I have to find a connection with the text in order to live with them and, and feel like I have something to say. So you don't listen to the radio and say, oh, I don't listen to the lyrics. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've had people say that, and I thought, how is that even possible? <laughs> The next couple of pieces that we're going to hear, tell me what you hear in these poems that we should be listening for. The first one, If All the Griefs I Am to Have, and then B, B-E-E, <laughs> I Am Expecting You. Sure. So these two pieces in particular from this cycle, to me, are just filled with lightness and joy. And when I sing If All the Griefs I Am to Have, it just feels like there's this moment that I am in the moment and things are so wonderful. And if this is what it's going to be, then then I'm perfectly okay with that. And B is just a charming little piece about a bee who is writing to its buddy, the fly, and hopes that they'll have time to visit soon. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's just a really charming piece. Well, this will be fun insights into the life and the thoughts of uh, Emily Dickinson. We're listening today, though, to Emily Sternfeld Dunn as she sings, If All the Griefs I Am to Have and Be, I'm Expecting You. Thank you. 
pieces based on texts by Emily Dickinson, If All the Griefs I Am to Have, and B, I'm Expecting You. That's just such a friendly piece. I think I, of that one as the Mr. Rogers song, you know, the trolley <laughs> going around the track. Yes. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And when I first saw the title, I confess I did think, welcome to my parlor, said the spider to the fly, yeah. but this is a much better outcome. Much friendlier, yes. <laughs> We're hearing today from Emily the singer, but you are also Emily the arts administrator and teacher founding the Hartford Opera Theater. Even though you've moved away from the area, it still continues. Tell us about that and about what entered your head. (laughs) Well, what entered my head was when I was in grad school, there were many, many soprano singers um, who were better than I was, and I wanted to perform. And so I thought, well, rather than ask people for permission, how about I just create my own opportunity? (laughs) So let's start an opera company, which is a lot of work. But it was so, it was a wonderful time in my life to create something from the ground up. And our first couple of operas were contemporary-ish Minotti American operas, which was near and dear to my heart. And so it was a wonderful experience. I learned so much about myself as a person and a singer. It was That's an interesting place to start because unlike a recital, opera is known as the art that combines all the arts. Yes. The sets, the pieces, the dancing, the costumes, the music. It's a big undertaking. Yeah. I was eight weeks pregnant with my first daughter and I was building our platform in my basement so you were thinking, starring in I'm it. I'm eight months pregnant. What could make my life harder? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. But <laughs> oh, yes. Eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fun. start an opera company. Yeah. Okay. And being pregnant would add a whole twist to some of the roles you might. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> have sung. Much of the music you perform is new work. So it's work by living composers. And there must be some kind of satisfaction, I think. It comes with working with someone who's still there. Absolutely. To, to, to talk about it. Tell me about your experience working with a composer who's still living in the world where you live. Sure. Um, In my experience, the living composers have been extraordinarily generous and kind with their time and their opinions of your performances of their works. Um, My husband also is a composer, and so I am able to kind of see both ends of the things, what it's like to create a piece and then to see it. There's just a lot of satisfaction in helping a composer fulfill his dream and kind of help do what they had intended. Yeah, all the music. We didn't stop writing music in the 1700s and the 1800s. Tell us about the pieces we're going to hear now. This continues, I believe, this cycle. How happy is the little stone estranged from beauty and will there ever be a morning? A personal favorite. 
Oh, yeah. I think um, Renee Fleming might have recorded that one, I believe, and um, it's probably one of the more well-known of this Mm. cycle. The piece, Estranged from Beauty, actually is the one that drew my attention to this cycle, and I fell in love with that one first. And I just love the simplicity of the piano part in the beginning and how the voice takes it over, and uh, How Happy is the Little Stone is just a really great reminder that you don't need a lot of things or to be a lot of things in order to be happy. Nice. Emily Sternfeld Dunn singing the text by Emily Dickinson. We'll continue this song cycle. How happy is the little stone estranged from beauty and will there ever be a morning?
Will there ever be a morning? I love the question implied in that last chord. Estranged from beauty and how happy is the little stone. Emily Sternfeld Dunn singing settings of Emily Dickinson poems by composer Ricky Ian Gordon. Born 1956, Oceanside, New York, definitely a contemporary composer. You are the mother of daughters. Yes, I am. And what do you hope they hear? Because the album is called She. I can't help think that you have put some thought into this. I have, yeah. I I love this album because it features a woman poet and it features a, a woman biblical character who has lots of kind of weight built into who she is. What I love about both these pieces is that it portrays these women as women who are complex and who aren't perfect and who have lots of questions and who doubt and who are funny, and Does that remind you of someone? Perhaps. <laughs> Probably everybody. But they are still good, and they are still mm. valued, and they still have value, even though there are all these layers. And so I hope my daughters, when they hear this this album, when they're old enough to understand, will understand that about themselves, that they can be many things and still be good. In talking about this album, half of it is composed with the Emily Dickinson song cycle that we've heard from so far, but there's a whole other half to this album. Mm -hmm. Introduce us to this. Sure. So it's called Eve Song, and the music is written by Jake Heggie, which includes lots of influence, um, different musical influence, some um, Jewish chant kind of sounding things and some jazz influences. Um, And it's definitely contemporary as well. And the texts are by Philip Littell. He created an Eve, a contemporary Eve. And so obviously this this set is not theologically sound. Um, But that's kind of what makes it fun is Uh is to visit those characters whom we have heard about from the moment we started going to Sunday school and to kind of reimagine them and, and see them not as black and white, but to see them with shades of gray. So not theologically sound like Correct. Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dream exactly. Coding. Other, a very accurate Bible <laughs> Correct. interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Introduce us to the first of these pieces from this new work. Sure. So these next two pieces, Good and Snake, we have already been introduced to Eve and been introduced to who she is. And um, at this point, good morning, she wakes up in the morning and she encounters this thing. And so she kind of is, hello, who are you? And as I, I'll give a spoiler alert, it's the snake. And so then it leads okay. us into the next song, Snake. And there weren't of, a lot of choices about who to meet back then. Correct. So. Well, there's all those animals, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so then the next song, Snake, is um, it, it takes us through when Eve first tastes the apple. I'm so excited to hear this. This is all new music to me. From composer Jake Heggie, born 1961, text by Philip Littell, and sung here by Emily Sternfeld Dunn. Oh, 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 oh,
Snake and Good, two pieces from the Song Cycle Eve song, text by Philip Littell, music by composer Jake Heggie. Emily Sternfeld done performing here live on Classical 89. Christine Kine at the piano. A few lines I, I just want to remember. If I could, I would eat the whole world because <laughs> it's good. And invitation or warning, it never tells you which. You just got to try it sometimes. <laughs> so Eve's song, lots of insights we can hear, some thinking about and weighing of different things, written by two men. Correct. Male composer, Jake Heggie, text Philip Littell. What did they get right? <laughs> I think what they got right was the complexity of human. I mean, they could humanity. have done Adam, but he's not very interesting. Well. <laughs> Eve does all this stuff in the story. <laughs> I suppose. Maybe if they'd written about um, Adam, we would be more interested in him, too. But I, I think it's nice that they caught the complexity of humanity, that it, mm. we're not black and white. We're not good or bad. And she ate the apple, but, you know, we don't know. We don't know the whole story. And so it's fun to imagine that. And I yeah. think they did a really job, nice job with that. Just interesting choices musically about what happens also reflecting her thinking up high, up low, and loud, soft, all of that. Yeah. Plus the interesting rhythm there (laughs) in the piano. These pieces all have intriguing names, The Wound Mm -hmm. and The Farm. Yes. Tell me about these. The Wound is what I imagine is when Eve is is pregnant with her first son and just kind of talking about what she knows he's going to be born into the minute that he's born and kind of her feelings about that. And then The Farm, it's just a really sweet way to to end this cycle of her journey through all of this and, and her memory of what it is. Wonderful. So more from the Eve song cycle, Philip Littell, composer Jake Heggie. This is Emily Sternfeld Dunn.
From Eve's Song, Song Cycle, we've heard The Wound and the Farm performed live here in studio. Emily, at the very top of the show, we talked about this piano being hmm. loaded up from your grandparents, sent cross-country to you. Now, that's physically passing on a musical instrument, but as well as that, what else got passed on? What was the musical tradition? Oh, man. I always say that music is our family's trade. Hmm. You know, my parents are professional musicians. Many of my cousins are. My aunts and uncles, many of them professional musicians. My, my grandparents were. And so we just have this rich musical history that was passed down to us. Our family reunions always involve a talent show, which we just have have such a, a dear place in our heart. We sing our prayer before dinner when we gather as a family. And, and so I'm hoping to, that I'm passing that along to my daughters as well. All different kinds of music? Oh yeah, pop and opera and country western and all kinds. Organ. <laughs> what does that mean to you as a person that you have musical artistry as part of who you are? I think it's easy for me to take it for granted, just that I have this extra language, I have this special language that I get to speak in to convey emotions or stories that, that other people can appreciate, but I often feel like I have this this secret superpower that I, <laughs> I get to do this thing and have this special language, and it's, it's a real joy to share that with my family and that we can all communicate in that same way. Hmm. Well, you're using your superpower for good. So that's, <laughs> exactly. That's great. I'm not sure how you would use it for evil, but we don't need to dwell on that. Tell me about these next pieces. I think these are kind of reaching back to heritage. Yes, absolutely. Omio Babino Caro is from the opera Johnny Skiki by Puccini, and it was one of my grandfather's favorite arias. My grandfather was a wonderful man with much integrity, and he was also a little bit grouchy sometimes. And um, I'm lucky because I'm a soprano, and so I sing this aria, and every time I sang it, he would cry in a good way because he was so moved by the music, and I, I'm lucky because he wasn't grouchy in those moments. He got to feel, <laughs> we got to share that um, together. Our love is here to stay. My grandfather and grandmother were married for over 50 years. I don't know the exact number. Um, and whenever I sing that, it reminds me of their love story and not only passing on music to us, but also the sense of, of family and, and the importance of those bonds. This is quite a wide variety of music. Omio Babino Caro from Johnny Skiki by Puccini and George Gershwin's tune, Love is Here to Stay.
O Mio Babino Caro, Love is Here to Stay, and a nice mixture of different song styles. You know, when you're a soprano, you kind of can sing anything. Nah, except for the tenor arias. Well, <laughs> you're not allowed okay. to do those. <laughs> because uh, some of the other parts, it's, uh, it goes a little high, or it has a range that's two and a half octaves, three sure, octaves, sure. things like that. You have to admit that must be fun sometimes. It is. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> we have time for another piece, but I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to hear. This sounds like this is also drawing from that family history heritage. Yes. So so the, the wonderful producer of the show, Sam Payne. Our own Sam Payne. Our own famous Sam Payne happens to be my cousin. And so when he asked me to come do this, I just wanted to take advantage of him and asked if he'd sing with me. And so he said yes. That's so very, we're glad he did. We're very <laughs> glad too. he did. And is this a song that you have sung a lot? No, actually, it's it's the um, it's the famous uh, Barbra Streisand and um, Judy Garland duet mm. that they did. I think it was on a late show one time. And so a couple of students of mine brought it in, and so I was introduced to it that way. And then I sang it with my other cousin Eliza um, before. And then today, I just thought it'd be a great way to close out the show. Okay. Well, we don't know who's Babs and who's Judy, but this we'll let you guys figure it out. <laughs> we like to hear it. <laughs> we're hearing from Emily Sternfeld done this final piece. It's the Happy Days Forget Your Troubles duet with our own producer Sam Payne with accompanist Christine Kine at the piano. Forget your troubles Come on, get happy You'd better chase your blues away. Shout hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment The sun is shining. Come on, get happy. Love is Take your Happy days, forget your troubles, our own Judy and Babs. 
Sampain and Emily Sternfeld Dunn. So nice to have Emily with us today, sharing music from her album She, featuring two song cycles, Too Few the Mornings Be, text by Emily Dickinson, music by Ricky Ian Gordon, and the Eve song with music by Jake Heggie and text by Philip Littell. Other favorites as well. You can find Emily's work at her website, emilysternfelddunn.com. Her accompanist today has been Christine Kine, another important part of Emily's musical heritage. She is Emily's mother. And if you just got part of the show, you'd like to hear the beginning, listen again, share it with a friend, it's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. Also, follow us on Twitter at BYUH89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our student assistants are Victoria Khalil, Naomi Campbell, Marin Del Rio, and our producer, Sam Payne. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. <laughs>